Hello and welcome to episode 759 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, December 5th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. I'm joined by two gentlemen, not only Justin Mason, but also Nick Pollock. I got both guys here. Justin, how you doing? This feels like being on a date with your wife's boyfriend. <laughs> Nick, what's up? What is happening? I am touched to be that to you, Spore. <laughs> well, I, you know, so setting up things and uh, had both of you kind of reach out like, hey, you know, can we do an episode? Can we do an episode? I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's just combine it. Let's just jump in together. Got enough pitching stuff to uh, not bore Nick while we talk about hitters. <laughs> Hadn't talked to uh, Justin in a while, so figured it's it's best to get the three of us together. And we've actually got plenty to talk about. I got to say, guys, this offseason been one of the best it's definitely been far and away the best in the last three years the last two seasons were pretty bland we really didn't get anything this is playing out like a what i would call a normal off season right you know it's not like the big shoes have dropped yet on uh rendon cole strasburg i wouldn't have expected that too though anyway like that's that's not abnormal to me the big dogs usually aren't until the winter meetings at the earliest anyway and often into january so that's fine but we're getting plenty of solid mid-tier moves, and we've got more uh, that have happened since since uh, you and I last convened, uh, Justin, and, and tons since uh, you and I last talked, Nick. Let's start with Zach Wheeler, though. Um, that one kind of went rumor, 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 done, right? There was like a, a bubble of rumors, and then it was done. Hey, it's getting into nine figures, and then all of a sudden, Philly had him. For 118 mil over five years. Nick, I will start with you on this one. He's definitely an interesting f- drop here because I feel like he was probably going to be the backup plan for some folks that didn't get Cole or Strasburg. But when the backup plan goes first, kind of changes some things. We knew Philly was going to be aggressive again this offseason after things didn't really go well last year. What do you think about Zach Wheeler as a Philly? Well, I will say of all the teams that were rumored to go after Wheeler, I'm so disappointed it was the Phillies. <laughs> it, it you get the sense that you know of those teams, like say the White Sox who just got Grandal or the Twins, uh, even the Angels. I I think all of them could fix Wheeler or at least have a better chance of doing that. Or maximize than the Phillies. him, right? I would say and, fix because I feel like you know he's had two yeah, really that, strong years here, but 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 maximize. Fair. Uh, I mean, right, because he has three secondary pitches that all failed to have higher than a 13% swing strike rate last year. That's a slider, curveball, and changeup. I mean, Wheeler's changeup is really like a split changeup, so you might see that as a splitter yes. as well. Yes. But the four-seamer going upstairs a lot is so important for Wheeler. And with the Mets, he went a lot of in and out, that is east-west, uh, which isn't really the best strategy for it. And especially with Wilson Ramos setting up thigh-high doing that, it's just... It was just so frustrating to watch that. And I was really hoping for someone like the White Sox, who have a lot of pitchers that pitch high fastballs. Renato Lopez does that. Dylan Cease does that. Lucas Giolito does that. And for him to fit into that would have been fantastic. But with the Phillies, well, I, you know, they're not really that successful at developing their talented arms at the moment. And it does give me hesitation. I mean, I will say this. We had about a sub-4 ERA last year from Zach Wheeler. I don't really think this is going to be all too much different now. There's a chance, obviously, that he does repeat the 2018 331 ERA, but I'm not too optimistic as I would have been if he went somewhere else. Elite second halves each of the last two years. Justin, um, bouncing, you know, going off of what Nick finished with there, do you see a change in Wheeler's fantasy value, or is this kind of overall a neutral move? I definitely don't think it's neutral. I think it's going to help in some ways and hurt in others. Uh, the part Wouldn't that make it neutral? <laughs> well, it depends on what you're looking for. I guess, I mean, uh, if you're looking just overall value, sure. I mean, we saw a bit of a velocity uptick last year, which was which is always nice. I worry about him moving out of the Mets park into Philadelphia's because that's mm, sure. going to be a huge park, shift, uh, park factor shift. Uh, and we did see – I mean, he didn't give up a ton of home runs last year, and so I'm, I'm – I'm kind of interested to know why Steamer is projecting him to have a huge jump in home runs. I'm guessing it's just the park factor move, but that would be scary for me. So uh, I do think he is probably on a better team, though I say that questioningly. Uh, it, should yeah, be I mean, a be- it should be a better team. 
it, you know, it wasn't last year, right? Because the Mets mm-hmm. Mets were were better uh, by a few games. But when you're in that five game range, I don't think that you could say definitively that one was better than the other. And again. I think the Phillies are not done. They're going to keep going. I know that we've heard them. Right. Oh, you know, they're still talking to Strasburg and all that. I'm not sure that they're going to go that big, but they're going to they're going to make a few more impact moves, I believe. And so um, I think it will be a good team. And I hear you, Nick, on what you're saying as far as uh, Phillies are certainly not known for, you know, extracting that extra level of value out of guys. But I think sometimes we don't know as everything that goes on in like the front office as far as getting some of those guys in there yeah definitely uh, maybe like a statistical guru or maybe what joe girardi could bring on field that's I don't a really know good what point sort of coaches he's, he's bringing on and so maybe maybe they've got something in store for wheeler but even if status quo were what we got from him uh, i think we i think we could be happy there because it's been two really strong years out of zach wheeler um any finishing thoughts there before i move on to the next one i Nick? mean yeah, I mean, he seems like he's just the kind of the same guy he we expected him to be last year. So yeah. I think Nick's right. You know, uh, just a sub four ERA, two hundred strikeouts. Uh, but I yeah, I wouldn't expect a massive step forward. Uh, and I think some people were hoping for that ne- for next year. Well, I, I mean, I, he's I, gonna have a better defense, which is good. I mean, it's still the Phils, but the Mets were the worst. They they were so, the worst, and uh, after a couple of years of being one of the worst, the Phillies have have made an effort to improve their right. defense. Right, so that so, that should help that whip a little bit. That nine hit per nine we saw from Wheeler last year should be a little bit better, I would imagine, which would help the whip from one twenty six. Hopefully, down to one twenty for Wheeler. I think that's very attainable. Um, so if you have that as well, then maybe it's like a three six ERA with a one twenty whip and maybe a twenty five percent carry. I mean, that's very very. Within uh, Zach Wheeler's grasp here, so I'm here for that. Yeah, that, 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 that sounds about right, and that's cool. That's good. I mean, I, I think he went, he went close to closer to forty than I think thirty in the recent uh, twelve team ADP that we have, and I think that's yeah, that sounds we'll right look to me. Up NFBC's ADP as we move on to Cole Hamels. Yeah, let's talk Cole Hamels. Let's stay in the same division here. Uh, the Braves counter with with the Cole Hamels move. Obviously, they weren't. I don't think they're playing in the same pool here, where they're trying to get one of the top top dogs. Um, I know there's been some rumors of, of Mad Bum there. In lieu of that, I think this is the move that they're that they're doing here with the Cole Hamels one year, 18 mil. We know that one year deals uh, difficult to fail. So plus, we don't really care as much about terms in the fantasy realm anyway, unless they start to dictate playing time. Putting Cole Hamels on Atlanta uh, up and down season with the with with the Cubs last year, where the results weren't too bad. But it was definitely a shift after he got hurt, and when mm-hmm. he came back, things really went went sideways there. If you look at it, Cole Hamels actually had a sub three ERA through June, and then he got hurt, missed all of July, came back, uh, actually opened with five shutout innings, and then from there on, the rest of the way was was pretty wobbly with a six fifty seven ERA, forty strikeouts in thirty seven innings though, um, and wound up with a three eighty one ERA. He was only seven and seven too. The Cubs didn't really support him much there. One thirty nine whip, but Cole Hamels going to be thirty six now. Still has a great changeup. Justin, I'll start with you on Hamels in Atlanta. Do you think he's going to be better, worse, or the same than twenty nineteen? Oh, I mean, he's Cole Hamels. I think he's going to be just about the same. So we're looking at maybe like one hundred and sixty innings of. Uh, mid to high threes ERA, uh, you know, a fair amount of strikeouts to go along with that. I think he is going to be perfectly fine, but considering where he's going in terms of ADP right now, he's a huge discount. So uh, left-handed kind of neutralizes the, the park factors of that short porch uh, in Atlanta. So I I like this move. Uh, yeah, I, I quite like it too, and I – you mentioned the price point on Cole Hamels. That's something that I'm definitely interested by. 116th pitcher. We still don't have SPRP splits on the NFBC data, which is a, a bit of a bummer. But, um, I mean, that's around pick 300. We know about fantasy ageism. We talk about it all the time. You know, once a guy starts getting in his mid-30s, uh, outside of, you know, being one of the top dogs uh, of the entire game, like a Verlander, they're just gonna they're just gonna come cheaper. So the fact that Hamels is coming off of a little bit of a lesser year, particularly with that whip, the 381 ERA still looks pretty solid. 
uh, and the fact that he was seven and seven had the injury finished poorly too. I think that that lasting impact of of finishing uh, on a down note is also influencing the price. Sign me up. I think that's somebody that I'd put as a rotation filler there. As you're taking some of those gambles, you balance it out. I like to balance things out uh, with somebody that I think is a little bit more stable. Nick, I know you're not so much for that. <laughs> a lot of times we talk about how that's the difference between 12 and 15 team, but I think even in a 12 team, or I don't think there's anything wrong with having stability, and I think that's something that Cole Hamels offers. With that changeup, and uh, quality fastball command, I think he's somebody who's going to continue to age gracefully. What do, what do you think about Hamels in Atlanta? Yeah, Hamels went 77th uh, ADP as far as a start off the board in the in the, uh, the 12 teamers that we did. Okay. And the six drafts that we did. And I'm, I'm here that sounds that about too. right to me. I mean, yep. I know that I will likely Hamels is going to be someone that floats on your wire a bit, I think, especially if he struggles at all early. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, you could probably expect something around a four-year, right? If you do want that at the very end, there isn't anything else to chase. I'm okay with Hamels in your 12-teamer. Uh, but he is still a little bit of a Toby for me with a slight tinge of strikeout upside. 23% in the last two years. He had that one dip in 2017, but Hamels pretty much has always been a 23% strikeout guy. That's actually exactly his career mark. Uh, what's interesting from last year is he did change a couple things. His fastball velocity did go down a tick, and it mm-hmm. wasn't nearly as effective as it used to be. So he had to throw more cutters inside the zone, which is all right, and it worked. And that's kind of the mentality of the Cubs. We saw that with you Darvish as well. Cole Hamels also had a really effective changeup last year. His changeup kind of was back to what it used to be. A 25% swing strike rate pitch, 48% O swing. Even threw it in the zone a little bit more at 32%, only 159 batting average allowed on it. I wonder if he's going to embrace that cutter changeup mentality a little bit more moving forward. He did increase his cutter usage a little bit in that second half as well and pulled back on the fastball down to 45%. So that all sounds good, and it does seem like he can keep doing this even though he is going to be 36 next year. Uh, But Hamill's in the Braves rotation. I mean, I don't think it changes much of my assessment based on the Cubs versus the Braves. Agreed. Uh, it's, I mean, you have the Marlins, but you also had, uh, last year you had the Pirates. I mean, it's not really any different, I think. Yeah, and you're still going to have some tough teams there. Um, right. You know, when, when you're facing the Phillies, the aforementioned Phillies, the Mets, I still think, are going to be a capable offense. You're not going to be mm-hmm. uh, ecstatic that you're facing them. In Washington, they've got moves to make. But I think they're going to strengthen their offense. Right now, it looks kind of juicy. It's like it's like the uh, top half is good, and then the bottom half's ugly. But they're going to fill in that bottom half, and and it could could even become the top half because if they get a Rendon and then um, some other guys that we, we're going to talk about later, I think they're going to change their makeup. So I think Washington's still going to be a tough. I agree with you. If he had stayed with the Cubs, it would be about the same outlook for Cole Hamill. So I like that there. Let's move on. Let's talk Dylan Bundy. We knew he was on his way out. Um, Baltimore, they don't they don't like pitchers. They they they, they, hate <laughs> they don't like baseball they players. Hitters. <laughs> they don't like baseball players. Um, so we knew that the, something was going to be happening here. I thought Profar for uh, for Bundy was get, was a nice move. I was hoping that I was a, uh, a fortune teller and I was going to be able to predict that they moved Profar out uh, to San Diego. We'll get into that in, in a few moments, but. Bundy does go out west, but it's to the Angels for a host of prospects, none of whom are particularly noteworthy. So we're really focused on Bundy to the Angels. Nick, can this move unlock something for Bundy? First off, at least the ballpark should help curb some of that home run rate, uh, as 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 well as his road ballparks, because he's not going to be going to New York and Boston and Toronto. But is this the move that actually makes Bundy into a more fantasy viable asset here? Well, it's going to make it more fantasy viable. I don't sure. know if it is actually full relevancy. I, I will say I the one thing I will be looking at from Bundy early is please throw your slider at least 30% of the time. Uh, not this 23% that we've seen over the years with the Orioles. It's such a good pitch. 20% swing strike rate, 41% zone rate, 42% O-swing. He just gets... You know, strikes easily and then bad balls and playing the whole thing and strikeouts. It's just what you want. And that fastball is so bad. Uh, yeah. Not to mention, he also has a good changeup in his back pocket. 49% O swing on that 18% swing strike rate and 42% zone rate. He has two weapons. Bundy can be an effective pitcher if he really focuses on those two secondary pitches a lot. 
Uh, Michael Jetto wrote a going deep uh, at Petrolist just a moment ago, talking about actually maybe throwing sinkers a little bit just because the fastball is so bad, the four-seamer. So maybe that will help because it is a little bit lower. It's like around 91, 92, as opposed to the explosive 94, 95 that you want to see with someone uh, these sure. days. But I, I think it can help. It's someone to consider. He went 102 in, in uh, the 12-seamer ADP. Uh, that's a nice maybe last round pick. I think that'll uh, go up. Um, yeah, it might. with him in Baltimore. It's not going to skyrocket. But oh, I think yeah, right. just, just on getting off of Baltimore alone and a renewed, you know, th- th- regardless of how founded it is, I think it's really somewhat founded as you're outlining here. There's going to be a renewed interest in Bundy for some folks that's going to move that up. Again, I don't think it's going to go sky high to where he's going to become cost prohibitive, but I think Bundy's price will jump with this. And um, I'm still in. I have a hard time quitting Bundy. <laughs> I would have, again, I would have loved the Oakland thing just because uh, he, I think he'd be a great fit out there. Mm-hmm. But Angel Stadium isn't too bad. I think I think that they're going to continue to uh, do oh, off-season like, work here. Angel Stadium isn't good since they've lowered that wall either, though. So I mean, they gave they were like. They gave up like the fifth most home runs in their stadium from a pitching staff. Well, like it's that's because like, they had bad pitchers though too. I mean, I think I think that's a what huge is Dylan Bundy? Like, are we talking about like Dylan <laughs> Bundy as like this like like moving from one not good stadium to maybe slightly better stadium doesn't make him a good pitcher? I think it's a markedly better stadium. I mean. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put much weight on shifting stadiums personally. I, I think it's sure. more just. Let's just see if his approach changes. I think the Orioles are not necessarily the organization. Maybe maybe they are now. I know that they have been making a lot of good front office changes, but in the past, you know, there's it, it is encouraging to suggest that maybe Bundy starts doing things differently, and that's really the only kind of way I'd put on this. Yeah, but we won't. The problem is we won't know about that until it's. Yep. You know, I mean, obviously he's not going to be drafted in just about any mo- or uh, uh, mixed league format, so he's going to be available. What do you mean? On, you it, it could be like a last round pick. In a he's going to be drafted. Twenty three. I mean, I'm seeing other guys. Every Anvil Sanchez. Maybe every fifteen teamer you're in. I mean. He's like his ADP is three seventy. So I mean, outside of draft and holds, like he he's not really being drafted. That's with Baltimore. I mean, and plus that's still being drafted, you know, a reserve pick in fifteen teamers. But he's definitely going to be drafted in every fifteen teamer, and he's going to be drafted in some twelve teamers. Yeah, getting out of that. Baltimore, I think is going to make make a difference here, and I think it's going to push uh, push people to draft Bundy. So I, I think it'll be interesting. You know, he's going to be a waiver waiver guy in ten teamers. Put him on your watch list, and in, in a host of twelve teamers for sure. But fifteen team, which is what you and I focus on most, Justin, um, he's going to be drafted. You're insane. Yeah, I, 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 what, I like like. Oh, let me give you some would you rathers of guys that would you rather draft Bund- Dylan <laughs> Bundy, and these are all guys <laughs> that are going uh, underneath him. Would you rather draft Dylan Bundy or Alex Reyes? Bundy? Are you kidding me? Really? Oh my god! Yeah, keep taking Reyes Alex Reyes, Reyes dude. Just, I mean, it, yeah. that fits your mo so much. You are obsessed with injured dudes, but yes, and you're obsessed with taking crap guy, pitchers. Jesus please, Christ! Please keep taking the guy who has like five innings a year. Yes, go oh, ahead. I'd rather have five innings a year than like 150 really bad ones. Okay, cool. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Next. Um, I will say, by the way, this is, the only case, uh, uh, this is the only case where maybe this guy is more interesting in a 12 than a 15. Because you would like you want to chase that flyer in a 12 team when you have a larger waiver pool. But 15, you might need to not. You, you can't sure. necessarily take that chance. Let's not overstate what – like he was really bad in 18. But other than that, he's like a – you know, four something ERA, like 479, 136 with a strikeout per inning and a 15 teamer, whatever. That's like, you know, streaming fodder, uh, reserve fodder. Like Bundy was awful in 18, but he was not terrible last year <laughs> as far as a 15 team guy. But go ahead, take Alex Reyes. Who else you got here? Casey Mize. Bundy. Uh, no, no, you, you're a moron <laughs> if you take Casey Mize over Dylan Bundy. What about Sixto you're, Sanchez? Would you rather? You're a bigger Bundy. moron if you do that. I, I don't like you guys are crazy. Like, there, what are you no... holding these guys for, dude? This is why you didn't have a reserve roster for half the year. 
button. I'd, right. no, I'd rather yeah. I'd rather wait on them on it for a month and hope that maybe there's a chance that one of them that, comes up. I mean, Mize maybe no, not. Uh, but no chance Sanchez. Well, what what you're doing though by by holding on to that too, you're also missing the the most volatile period, the most important period to have yes. bench spots in April. Exactly. Uh, I just so, I, so I, with, I'm, yeah. I can't touch. Those are terrible holes and, for a month. And I will say with Spencer Bundy, like, you'll know right away. You'll know Would right you, away, okay, is this something I want to go into or not? Like, yeah. Would you not rather have Spencer Turnbull? I mean, just, like, I, I don't. Spencer Turnbull? Um, I mean, I like Spencer Turnbull, but but no. That's closer. Yeah, but much, I think I'm like, closer, I think I'm leading Bundy. Alex Young? God, no. I thought I mean, you, 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 thought you did something here. You, you definitely thought you had I just thought you guys would like team. Alex Young. It's a 15-teamer, <laughs> darling. I just, I... I just hate Dylan Bundy. Apparently, I, clearly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think get, that's I think that's what I, we've learned. Yeah, no, like <laughs> Corbin Burns. Give me Corbin Burns. Like, I just. What do you want Wait, with the not, middle okay, of the he's not, I'd rather, They're not going to let him start again. I don't think. Why wouldn't they? They don't. They just DFA'd uh, or uh, non-tendered uh, Nelson team and Junior Guerra. They, I mean, they they don't have anybody to start on that team. I, I, well, I think they're going to be in the market, but yeah. Um, you know, because they've shown no. they've shown a propensity to go out and get stuff. Well, I mean, like they Keiko, for example, is a really good talking fit about there. Kane Grandal. Like they have gone out in the market and gotten stuff. What are you talking about? Yeah, I, I, you're I, all over the map today. You're man. all over the map. I'm roasting left and right, man. <laughs> Owning you. Uh, no, but listen, I'm not sitting here pretending Bundy's elite, but at his price, I like him. And none of those names you mentioned are particularly close. Turnbull's about the closest. And in that, the tiebreaker is going to be give me the guy who's on the markedly better team. And L.A. is exponentially better than the Tigers, let's be honest, in every facet, not just like the facets that would help a pitcher too, bullpen and defense. So, uh, yeah, Bundy for sure there. Uh, all right, we got we are a little bit on time, so we don't want to get too far uh, afield here, which will be difficult with the three of us. But <laughs> let's move over to Michael Michael Moustakis. I almost said Michael. I'm his father. Michael Moustakis <laughs> uh, goes out to Cincinnati on a four-year deal, finally gets paid. Uh, right. Again, t- terms are not the biggest issue for us in the fantasy realm. I'm just happy that he got paid because I felt like he was getting short short change the last couple years uh, for the production that he was putting up. So he gets a big deal here. He's going to be the second baseman in Cincinnati. Justin, I'll start with you. Uh, would you rather have Casey Mize or Mike Moustakis? No, I'm just kidding. Moustakis <laughs> um, going from Milwaukee to Cincinnati. Neutral probably as far as like yeah. park and all that sort of stuff. But what do you think about Moose? One thing I will say that isn't so neutral is I think he's going to be inserted as that fourth guy, whereas he was more of a five-six guy with Milwaukee. Yeah, I think he he's not only going to be that fourth guy, but that Milwaukee or that uh, Cincinnati lineup just got a lot better. Uh, and this is a team that's got the, maybe the one of the best rotations in the National League. I don't want to say yeah. the, the best, but. I think there's an argument, especially if they had landed Wheeler or if they end up landing another uh, top-tier starter. Like uh, a Ryu or something? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that can really make a huge jump this year. Uh, I believe he – is he still multi-positional eligible coming into next year? I think year? he will have second and third, I yes. I think he's got um, second and third. Uh, I, he's just – I think he's a pretty good bet to repeat what we saw last season – uh, in Cincinnati, uh, so for me, I think I want to see where he's going in terms of ADP. But um, while you're looking that up, I want to point out one thing. One twenty-five. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Like he's kind of boring, but he's boringly solid too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like one of those things where it's like, hey, the Moose um, is definitely somebody who just put in what he's already done. Don't necessarily give him some big sort of growth, but. There is also a little bit of upside there, particularly with this lineup, because the runs in the RBIs for sure. Yeah, it was awful last year, but it was great in 18, and they could get back to some quality this year uh, if Jesse Winker. First off, you need Winker to stay healthy, which I know is a giant if. Well, they but won't. Winker, after I make the trade, I'm going to make <laughs> oh, later in okay. this episode. Winker three. Uh, I almost made a trade with them, so I'm glad I didn't, and we weren't both messing with the Reds. But at Winker three seventy nine OEP the last three years. Joey Votto obviously is a career four twelve, but um, or excuse me, the last three years 
357 last year would still work. And then Suarez, 364. That's three big OBP guys ahead of Moose. He could finally get that 100 year, uh, 100 year, 100 RBI season uh, that he that he's been looking for the last couple of years and definitely put up the production to get, but maybe just not been part of the right lineup when he was with KC or in the right spot when he was with Milwaukee because he's been 85, 95, and 87 the last uh, three years for Moustakis. So I like him. I think the price is fair. I think you just pencil in kind of, uh, you know, 30 to 35 homers, 85 to 90 ribbies. 250 average and then take anything else as gravy justin do you have any final thoughts on it before i move to nick nick go ahead on mike moustakis this is a hitter he plays on i don't i don't know who he is yeah what is this um eminem uh okay (laughs) i he has a nine percent walk rate which is really cool that was the career best in 2019 good to see that obp go up to about 330 which we haven't really seen since 2015 when he had about a 350 obp for the royals uh, I, it's been consistent production. Hard hit rates have been above 40% in the last two years. Good to see that as well. And swing strike rate at 11%, fine. I don't think that that strikeout rate is ever really going to be above 20% until he ages a couple more years. By the way, that's I, that's an interesting factor for him. That, And I know part of it is that he, he hits a lot of fly balls, but the fact that he doesn't strike out a lot, there could be that spike year of like a random 275, 280 as well. I think mm-hmm. it would require some some changes with his batted ball uh, profile there. But I love that he's a power guy, Moustakis is, that doesn't strike out. Those are tough to find. Right. It, it might be more so that he I mean, has a decently high O swing at 34% and about two-thirds uh, O contact, which might be why maybe he's swinging a little too early and then putting more balls in play than he should. And, uh, and bad balls, you're saying? Too. Right, so 250 Babbitt, 259, 263. We've constantly seen bad Babbitts from Moustakas, mm-hmm. and that might be part of the reason why on top of that 45% fly ball rate. I, but Moustakas, I mean, one thing I will say is I wonder if the Reds are going to stick with Vado at the number two spot the entire year. I, I mean, he was definitely had his down year, and it does look like that age is catching up to Joey Vado, and maybe Moustakas then moves up to the three as they push up everyone which then would even obviously emphasize his run in RBI totals even further. Mm-hmm. Um, so something to consider there. I love Moustakas right now. I think this is such an amazing fit. Obviously, the, the park is incredible for him. He went 13th as a second baseman in uh, the 12-teamer mocks, which is so good because it second gets really questionable after that. Right. Yep. Eduardo Escobar, Kevin Biggio, and Garrett Hampson are the next three. And to get him at 115... That's, I mean, past the tenth round, essentially incredible Biggio value and, thus far. You said Biggio, Hampson, and who else? Uh, Eduardo Escobar at fourteen, Kevin so, Biggio at fifteen, Garrett Hampson sixteen. You know, you're talking to Justin and I, and, and we're obsessed with Garrett Hampson. I really like Biggio too. I think you do too as well, Justin. Uh, so we like both those guys, but don't get me wrong, they're big risks in comparison. Exactly, and and so between. Between the three there, I'm still taking Moose over them easily. And so I yep. like uh, I, I like what uh, what he offers there and at the pick that he has. He's become boring, and, and people just kind of oh, forget him a little bit. And I, I like that for Mike Moustakis. Anything else on him, Nick? No, that, that's really – I am going to be targeting him a lot, especially yep. if this ADP sticks. I expect it to go up to closer to 80 or so, something around there, as opposed to 115 sure. I see right now. But, I mean, I love it right now. I could I could see that, and uh, I, I'd still pay that, but I'm definitely interested in Mike Moustakis and what he offers. Let's take a look at the Jerickson Profar deal. I hinted at it earlier. Gets traded out to San Diego. San Diego's been making a lot of moves, and I don't think that they're done at all. It was a um, it was a small deal. How did they get him? Was it a trade? Yeah, it was a trade. Who did they get? I can't find it. Uh, it was the catcher. Uh... Oh, that's right. That's right. Austin Allen. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, because um, I was looking here on the trade rumors, and they don't... It's pretty much the A's were going to non-tender Correct. Profar and and said, anybody give us anything, and... They got a little something. They got a that little... Austin Allen, he can hit, but he can't catch, and he's a catcher who can't catch. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's okay. There, there's plenty of those in the major leagues, so... True, uh, they, they had one mm-hmm. in... Um, in freaking Fegley? Josh Fegley, yeah. yeah. But now they're going to be going to Sean Murphy. But let's let's focus on Profar. He had a nice year in 18, moves out to Oakland, and we're hoping that he can build on it. Obviously, his park you know, changed a bit, but that wasn't why he had the year that he had. He just really struggled, particularly out of the gate. His April was horrific. 
uh, he had a 495 OPS and he could never really get out from under that. Um, not that the 700s of OPS that he put up the next three months were all that good, but if he put up a seven something in April as well, his bottom line wouldn't have looked so bad. He ended up with a uh, 711 at the end of the year, thanks in large part to a 929 that he put up in August. So he finished pretty strong with six homers and uh, 19 ribbies in the last two months there. The one thing with Jerickson Profar, though, is he lost all that extra position eligibility. So his fantasy value coming off of a bit of a down season and getting rid of that fantasy eligibility, Justin, has been curbed. Is Profar somebody that you're interested in as a Padre? No. I mean, he's going to be batting at the bottom of that lineup more than likely. Uh, he is not a particularly good defender. Uh, no. Which could Didn't he go through some yips last year, too? Some real issues throwing from second to first, which is not mm -hmm. something I ever thought I would say about uh, a player that was considered coming up a pretty good defender at shortstop. Uh, I mean, that's part of his, you know, huge prospect pedigree. Th those who forget, the Rangers would not trade him to Miami for Stanton. Like, that was uh, <laughs> a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, that that was that was a big swing and a miss. Uh, I just... Well, in switch hitting shortstop, who was supposed to be able to do everything, he was the it guy, and the shoulder right. injuries have just devastated his career. But, yeah, had some yips thrown to first. Um, and then, the, like I said, the offense was tanking. It was a tough season for him. And now he's going to be on his third team in three years with San Diego. I think the point that you mentioned about batting lower in the lineup is is tough, too. He could move up. Like, there is, like, roster resource has Trent Grisham there right now. If Profar got going, I feel like he could take that two spot. But don't you don't draft planning for that. No. Um, and it just, it's not, it's just not a sexy enough profile not to mention I don't really necessarily trust him to stay healthy long term. And while second base really does drop off after that Moustakis kind of tier, uh, there's still guys in the lower ends where where Profar is going that are just as interesting. Uh, you know, uh, Dubon, uh, uh, Urias is there, uh, Cano is there. I mean, there's there's guys who are just much more interesting and I think have much higher upsides than in profile, uh, Profar. Yeah, someone like an Ison Diaz is actually pretty interesting to me, and he's mm -hmm. going over 100 picks later. Jonathan Scope Shed uh, at, at 389. Yeah, I think there's some interesting, interesting guys there. And like you said, second base does drop off, but if we are in this dregs area where we're getting a reserve pick type, I would rather some other folks. Uh, Nick, any additional thoughts on Jerks and Profar here? I, I don't know if there's a whole bunch to talk about, but do you have anything well, that uh, well, first interests all, you about him? How are you not talking about Josh Rojas in that conversation, Mason? If you want oh, to talk he, about young guys. He, down there first too? Uh, he went, uh, for, for me, 27 second baseman. I uh, just drafted in three of the leagues uh, for 12-teamers. But uh, I remember Is owning Profar in 2012. Eligible? That's what Smata says it is. So okay, well he'll not only on be outfield yeah. in NFBC. Gotcha. Okay, good point. I uh, so 2012. I remember owning Profar and actually starting him in his first game when he hit a home run, and then that was it. I was so excited <laughs> after the first game. I uh, but I mean with Profar, the interesting thing to me is that suddenly last year, after going 33 percent pull percentage in 2017 and 40 percent in 2018, had a 50 percent pull rate. I mean, this is a guy who oh. definitely tried to do more. Uh, and it didn't really translate that much. It was the highest home run for five ball rate he's ever had at 14% and 20 home runs in about 518 plate appearances. Maybe there is something to it. The fly ball rate was 37% the highest he's had as well. He was selling was out a, for that power. He was so, aggressively unlucky, too. Right, 218 Babbitt. Now, if you're doing that high of a pull rate, sometimes it means that you're taking outside pitches and pulling it towards first when you should be pushing it the other way. True. And that's why that average will often drop when you see the high pull rates. But that is interesting to me. 29% uh, O-swing is pretty good as well. 8.3% swing strike rate, 9% walk rate, under 15% K rate. There's a lot of elements here that do speak to something else happening and seeing that 20 home run total. It's like, well, maybe maybe there is something. And that was an OCO, maybe going to Petco. Maybe he does, as you were saying, uh, a Justin pushing up that lineup. Um, it's possible. 
So I'm not going to rule it out. It's a fun little flyer to take note of, and I'll be watching it pretty, for my 12 teamers early on. stuff too, though. So uh, we'll see. Maybe you here. know, maybe there is some stuff that is is kind of in the works here for something bigger. Yeah, I you know the 18 still is there, and it, that was an interesting season. So it really kind of depends on how you feel about uh, which is more true of Profar, the 18 or the 19. Um, again, I like some second basemen that are going in his range better. So we'll see. Um, probably a no for me though right now. I liked him coming into this year with the triple eligibility, but he's lost all of that. Yeah, and there's no right. chance. Right. There's no chance he'll gain that back in San Diego either. Well, not no chance. It would take well, health. With, with, but I mean, let's not rule it out. That that team's got a lot of different guys who can play a lot of different spots. Oh, oh I, I know. I'm just saying. On paper, like at this moment, you're right, but. Then stuff happens, and all of a sudden he's, you know, triple eligible by July, and it's like, dang, that would mean that their season's gone awry. Don't get me wrong. They'd have to lose but, Tatis again. Yeah, don't don't even say that. Yeah, that's, do not do that, Juju Mason. That. <laughs> uh, let's move out to Miami. Talk about two moves that they've made. They picked up some guys that uh, were likely headed into the non-tender bin. Jonathan VR and Jesus Aguilar were DFA'd by Baltimore and Milwaukee, respectively. Miami went ahead and picked both of them up. And single hand, you know, in in one fell swoop there with the two moves coming out at the same time, greatly improved their wretched offense from last year. Now, it wouldn't be hard. They could add the three of us, and we would have improved <laughs> their offense. But, you know, these are two. First off, VR locked and loaded, you know, coming off of a four-win season. Aguilar not coming off of such a good season, but still is an improvement over what they were running out there and did kind of get back on track a bit with Tampa Bay after he was moved there. I think I might have said Milwaukee. Um, Aguilar came from Tampa Bay via Milwaukee, and VR came from Baltimore. Nick, I'll start with you on these two moves here. First off, who do you like better at their price for Miami, VR, or at their fantasy price, uh, VR or I, that, that's like VR. Really, yeah, that's a really good question uh, because VR, I mean, right now I see 41 ADP. I was kind of avoiding it, trying to wait longer for, uh, I mean, LeMahieu at second base. I think I just trust mm-hmm. a lot more and he was going 40 picks later. Uh, so I, I don't want to go for that. I don't really want to go for Aguilar, but if it's a cost of free... And it's just someone to keep an eye on. I don't really want to chase that one either, especially when he's not batting in the top four spots of that lineup, which currently roster resource has him below that. I VR, I mean, yeah, I remember I'm going to give you credit for this, Justin. You were saying in Arizona that be careful about VR just because the Orioles are probably not going to pay his contract. And mm. I will say, though, this is as lateral of a move as you could yeah. hope for. That's possible. Um, I agree. Spot. Right, because he's still going to hit leadoff. And the Marlins just go, sure, whatever you want, man. You have a ball. They better you know, not so, slow him down 1%. Right? I mean, 40 stolen bases last year, and I don't really see why he shouldn't continue to get that green light. The 24 home runs, well, we used to say maybe Miami that would bring it down, but they brought yeah. in their fences. So maybe, maybe. And Caleb Smith, I'm sure, is loving this, right, uh, Mason? I. But I... That's just what he needs. <laughs> right? He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Relax with all that, guys. But I just had to bring in a pitcher. But, I, no, VR, I mean, I, I think everyone is treating VR as if a little bit of a career year last year. I mean, he should hit 2440 with a 274 average and 111 runs. At the same time, yeah, 1530 is very nice, and that should come to be for uh for vr around like a 260 average and I'm i don't okay see why that, that that's out of the question i just needed to come cheaper because right now right in, yeah you mentioned he was going in the 40s of your of the, your pitcher list leagues he went 31 on average in the nfbc leagues i don't know that the discount that will come because i do think it will drop uh, right. just the the move there's at some added even though there probably shouldn't be as you mentioned i think there will be some some panic there so the price will come down. I don't think it'll come down enough for me, though. And so I'm going to be out on VR yeah, at what I assume his price is going to be, which is still going to be top 50. Nick, how do you feel about uh, this this VR situation now? And are you paying that premium price? Did you mean Justin there? Who did I say? You Nick. said Nick. <laughs> oh, but if Nick Justin. wants to say it again, I mean, he's more no, than welcome yeah, do you want, to. <laughs> Nick, do you you want know, to I'm thinking about you? VR and all. <laughs> My bad. 
Uh, I, I think, like I said, uh, while Nick was talking, I think this is probably his best possible landing spot. I mean, he, uh, like Nick said, he's going to stay on top of uh, that lineup. Maybe the power dips uh, a little bit, but I, I, you're not drafting him for power anyways. You're drafting him for, for the, you know, kind of league-changing speed that he can offer. There's no reason to think if they let Birdie run uh, wild last uh, last year that they wouldn't let uh, VR. Uh, you know, the sad thing is maybe this hurts John Birdie's chance of everyday yeah. at-bats. Uh, so if you were a Birdie believer, then uh, you may want to pump the brakes just a tiny bit uh, on that. Though, I mean, this team is bad enough up and down the lineup that he should be able to force his way in at some point, hopefully. Uh, and they've yeah. got guys who either aren't you know, don't have good bodies or, or tend to get injured anyways. So he uh, plays short outfield and third. Um, VR is being penciled in as the third baseman, but you know, there, there should be some room for, uh, for birdie out there somewhere. Uh, in terms of Aguilar, I mean, he just has no price attached to him on NFBC. His ADP is five fifty six. My goodness. So he's only being drafted in draft and holds. Uh, I mean, he's got power that plays anywhere. I think this is a guy that uh, if they just let him hit and don't mess around with him too much, he's easily going to hit 30 home runs. So being able to yeah. just kind of pencil in 30 home runs from your guy you're, you're drafting after pick 500 is, is a pretty sweet deal. I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think that he makes for an interesting reserve pick, Jesus Aguilar does. And I don't even think with a surge in price, he would be more than a reserve pick. Maybe a last round, uh, maybe your util pick in the 25th round before you get into reserves. But I agree with all that. Before we move on, can we just jump back 23rd. real quick? Because um, sure. we didn't talk about the effect of Profar moving away from Oakland, uh, okay. which I think is important because Jorge Mateo time... Franklin oh, Barreto yeah, yeah, yeah. Franklin Barreto. I, um, I, he yeah. was even looking at that on uh, Trade Rumors. I was like, I need to ask Justin about Barreto because yeah. I know you've been a long-term Barreto fan. Barreto's going to get the first shot, uh, but he needs to hit right away. And so, like, I, I've already drafted a handcuffed uh, uh, Jorge Mateo to Franklin Barreto in uh, in a draft champions. And you know what's going to be funny? Is Sheldon Noisy's going to take it for both of them. He's penciled in right now by roster resource. Of course, that's just their or, guess. Or they're just going to bring in someone. Or, the, yeah, like or they're going to get Culberson someone. or something like that for a year. Right. Brian Dozier or something uh, on a one-year deal. But, uh, yeah, for right now, I, I'm grabbing my shares, especially of Mateo, because he just has such game-changing speed and somewhat, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a field to hit that I think once he does get up to the majors – uh, and, and gets regular playing time, he could be a fantasy superstar. Yep, yep. I, I can get behind that again. I meant to bring those guys up. But uh, Barreto, Mateo has great speed. Noisy has power. Barreto has a bit of both, right? Doesn't he run a little bit? Yeah, yeah. He, he, I, okay. I mean, he's probably, uh, I'm a, I think, 2010 kind of, 2510 type guy. I think it's a little... Um, akin to the Woodruff versus Burns from last year, where I might pick one guy that I like the most out of the noisy Barreto, uh, Mateo trio, but whoever won, I would be kind of interested in. Yeah, especially if they were kind of guaranteed that 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 full time route there in Oakland. Out. Unless yeah. their names are Hampson and McMahon. Oh uh, god! From last year, <laughs> yeah, it could be more like that. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> how dare you? I mean, I will say on Barreto, 19 home runs and 15 stolen bases in under 100 games for AAA last year for the Athletics. So, so if you're talking about the speed power combination, like that, that's there. Uh, I am worried about Justin his swing strike rates. Uh, mm -hmm. Even in the obviously the majors, I can't really put any stock in the 19 percent he had in 58 plate appearances, but it's never been low in the minors. It's 13% in 2019, 15% in 2018. He's always had strikeout rates well above 25%, if not 30% or higher. So there is still that adjustment that needs to be, happen for Beretta. And you're talking about Mateo. Well, Mateo then could easily swoop in if Beretta struggles early. So I think that's a really nice handcuff to have. 
I like it. Great call. Good good job throwing it back to that, uh, Justin. Let's move on to Omar Narvaez quickly, and then we're going to get into a little fun here where we're going to make a trade. We're each going to come up with a, an interesting trade we, th- we think could happen, and then we're going to put a non-tender on a new team. But uh, Narvaez inks with Milwaukee today, or excuse me, gets traded to Milwaukee, um, and isn't a terrible bat replacement for Grandal. But couldn't be worse as far as trying to replace his defense. Like you literally <laughs> could not have have gotten it uh, to be me. that much worse, right? I mean, it's 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 not it's not great. But Narvaez is a nice little bat, so let's focus on that because the defense, unless it costs him the job, which he's going to have the job right now, doesn't really matter to us on the fantasy landscape. He put up a 278, 353, 460 last year with 22 homers. Had a hell of a season, Justin. Uh, Omar Narvaez as a Milwaukee Brewers. He's somebody who's moving up your list now. Not really. Uh, I just kind of prefer to get my catcher either earlier or later. So unless I'm getting a guy that I think is a stud, then I'm probably just going to wait forever. Uh, okay. And I do worry about him causing defensive problems uh, and losing playing time uh, because of that. So uh, he's probably not a guy that I'm just going to end up with. Nick, what about you? I mean, Navarez is part of that late catcher uh, pool. I mean, you have like four guys, essentially, people are reaching on. Real Muto, Sanchez, Grandal, and Contreras. And then after that, I mean, maybe I'll throw Mitch Garver in there as the five. After that, it's just whoever you guys want. Uh, There are, I think, 15 or so that are are draftable at the moment. It's just kind of pick your your favorite backs up and hopefully you can just play the entire season. And and that's one catcher. That. If you're in two catcher, I think Narvaez is somebody I'm I'm more interested in there. Mm-hmm. And um, if I do wait past that first uh, quintet, then maybe Narvaez and Paris pairing him with like a Carson Kelly, where I feel like I have two you know solid guys there, and maybe one of them could pop for more. But uh, yeah, Narvaez two forty two at catcher. That's the twelfth catcher off the board in NFBC, which are two catcher leagues. So that's kind of interesting, but not too much else to get into with him. So there's the moves. Everything's caught up. Let's make some trades, guys. <laughs> Nick, I'm going to start with you. So basically what we're doing, the, the exercise is to create a viable, interesting deal you'd like to see. We're trying not to go. I don't know if you guys did or not, but I'm not trying to go off of like things that we've seen rumored. So I'm not picking like Jock Peterson to the White Sox or something. We're creating something that we could see here. So let's, let's hear what you've got, Nick, and then we'll uh, roast it. So this is this is a really fun one. Um, this has actually been proposed. We'll be the, the judge of that. Well, no, it, it was proposed no, inside of the uh, the pitcherless channel. Okay. Um, so I thought this was a really fun idea. Essentially, it was sending over Nathan Uvalde, uh, Mookie Betts, and David Price over to the Dodgers Whoa. and returning back Dustin May and Ruiz. And I thought that was a what really else? fun. It, yeah, no, that's right? way well, more well, that needs on, to go into Well, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second, because because uh, you have David Price at a super I know large you have contract the money, of over $30 million, But you right? need more than that. Okay, I mean, this is, uh, this is what start. I was saying as well. There was actually okay. a good amount of debate about, you know, how much of an albatross is that that you're getting. Um, yeah. But there could be something in the works there with the Red Sox and the Dodgers, sure. um, especially considering that they're trying to get rid of bets and just bets for one year. Um, and then how much that, is Evaldi going to pay back on his contract, of course, that isn't necessarily a good thing either. This is, this is an example of one of those trades where someone tweets out, who says no, and like everybody in the room says no. That's, well, because thought, the Dodgers it, would never yeah. take on that much money. Um, well, be, they, they might. They would, but, no, yeah. they wouldn't because they've, they've tried to keep under the, uh, the luxury look, tax look line. Who they're getting. But okay, so I'm just saying, as is, it wouldn't work with just those two guys. Yeah, no, you need. Oh, to that's work. I mean, I, I think I'm agreeing with you. Actually, that was my side of it as well. But more of just, it just sounds like such a fun trade. They were even talking about this being reminiscent if, of if the, you want a the Crawford Mookie deal bet, of the past. If you yes, want a Mookie that, Betts trade, try something like Mookie Betts to uh, the White Sox for Madrigal uh, and like a you know, maybe some mid-tier pitchers. Like, that. that's, I think, the, the, the Mookie Betts trade if you're going to make one. I mean, the Red Sox aren't getting enough back then, are they? Yeah, I think you would need... I got to look Robert. 
But uh, but I mean oh, anyway, no I just way. I didn't no way actually I didn't want to phrase this as well, then a you're not getting Mookie freaking bad. legit <laughs> trade that's happening. But I thought it was a fun you know sure. fun discussion about just kind of it's, like a it's much certainly something I could, to jump I could off. See the Dodgers on. doing something like that. I like I they, the there's so much like we have to win now, and that is so much of a have to win now deal. I could see them being interested in in something. Maybe not with the Evaldi part. Maybe price and bets for Ruiz, Lux, May. And, and maybe work out some particulars there to soften the blow financially if they had some lingering contracts they could send back, but where it's still benefiting Boston more financially. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, okay, so it's interesting. I'm not I'm not sold on it as is, but uh, workable, workable jump off point there. Justin, you mentioned you hinted that the Reds may be making a move here. Yeah, what do you got for I think us? the Reds make a move, and uh, this is one I haven't seen anywhere. So. I'm uh, I'm thinking that it could be uh, uh, maybe a surprise one. Trey Mancini gets traded from the Baltimore Orioles to the Cincinnati Reds, uh, okay, for Stuart Fairchild, and we'll th- we'll throw in uh, kind of a a middle tier pitcher here uh, in their in their minor league system. So, because uh, obviously a guy like Hunter Green isn't going to go, um, maybe like a. No. Maybe like a I don't know Tony Statilian, uh, who's in AAA okay. yep. uh, and kind of yep. ready to go, kind of fits what the the Orioles are doing. Um, so they get they get one decent you know upside piece in uh, in Fairchild. Uh, that that outfield in Cincinnati is going to be uh, kind of packed anyways in a couple of years. So uh, and then you get that guy who can go and play left field uh, when Jesse Winker gets hurt. Exactly. And I mean, and we don't know, you know, what Aquino's going to be. You know, obviously he would start it off brilliantly and then flopped. Um, I, I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle of, of those two ends there. I think that that's reasonable. But what if he was just the lightning in a bottle there for, for a month and he isn't a, a full time option then? Then they, you know, and, okay, Winker stays healthy miraculously and Senzel does too. So then they got Winker. Senzel Mancini, or like you mentioned, Winker getting hurt, Mancini, Senzel Aquino. Because uh, you need more than three outfielders. You can't just have your three and say, oh, that's it. And Philip Irvin, I, he's kind of interesting, but. He's still. a short side platoon guy. Yeah. I think uh, I think that I think you got something there with uh, with Mantia. They certainly should be open to dealing him on a high note after his, his great season last year. He's got a few years of. Um, of control left too. So you can definitely get something of, of note there. So I do like that. Nick, any thoughts on that Mancini to Cincy deal? Yeah. I, I mean, I am not going to sit here and claim to be a massive expert on Fairchild. I, uh, but I will say that I think the Orioles should get a little bit more for Trey Mancini, especially considering it's three years. And I think his skills are great. Um, I mean, for the most part, I don't think it's the 291 average from last year. And, you know, that career year last year is a career year. At the same time, I think he is still a step up from his 2017-2018 numbers of a 24 home run season as mm-hmm. well. So I think there needs to be something a little bit more. I love the idea of the Reds trading for someone just like Trey Mancini, though. I think that's a really, really great idea. No, I mean, yeah. I think it's yeah. perfect because hey, the Orioles are ready to get rid of it. They need another strong outfielder out there and uh you also mentioned before the winker might get hurt too um, so it's has been hurt right you it, know. it makes a lot of sense they also need more right-handers they have three of those top four guys are all lefties yeah so to have and a that, right that's a right-hander call. in there too i uh, definitely would help them i think they have to give something a little bit more i don't know what that is i just i would imagine the orioles be like yeah i think we can get more to, uh, from to that end uh, to that end, when I did my closer look at the Reds, I actually had them getting Avisal Garcia as a signing. So in oh, that nice. same vein as Trey Mancini. So I like where your head's at with that, Justin. So my trade actually uh, was – this player was hinted at earlier, mm. and it would break it up finally, and it would move Ryan McMahon or Garrett Hampson. Really, you can pick, <laughs> but I picked McMahon to <laughs> Cleveland. For uh, for some pitching prospects and uh, to be named really as far as which ones it could be, you know Tristan McKenzie and and maybe a couple others that are that are lower. I don't know if it's two or three guys depending, but I think McKenzie as kind of the centerpiece there um, would, would work. Maybe Luis Oviedo. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have enough deep knowledge of the uh, Cleveland Indians 
farm system to say exactly which pitchers would be the right uh, mix for I Ryan like McMahon. But I think there's certainly something there. And uh, Mike Freeman is currently penciled in at second base for them. And with Moustakis off the market, it's pretty dry. And it's it's a lot of the sameness. And let's be honest, because they're Cleveland, they'll probably just end up going for one of those cheap guys like a Dozier or a Scope or, or their own guy back in Kipnis. But I think making a move here and actually doing something, obviously Colorado's always interested in pitching and getting one of Hampson or McMahon. Again, I'm picking McMahon personally here. Uh, for their second base spot would be nice. So what do you guys think of Cleveland getting McMahon? I'll start with you, Justin. I don't know if it would be McMahon. I think it would maybe be Hampson, especially if they're talking about trading Lindor like they have. uh, There have been rumors that that he could be available via trades, which Idiots. is yeah insane. So it may may not work just because they're looking at shipping players away as opposed to acquiring uh, players. Well, that being I think said, they're shipping him though as more of a retool over a rebuild though. So getting a twenty five year old, which by the way they're both twenty five, so you could say Hampson or um, McMahon. I think what you're suggesting is that since Hampson could play short, yeah, he would be a better be fit. a better fit. Uh, Oviedo would be in a really interesting fit in Colorado, really high ground ball rate uh, guy uh, in, in a very interesting uh, pitcher if if his command comes together. So, uh, I, I need think, to pick me up on the prospects. Yeah, so uh, he's a guy I've got on, on a lot of kind of deep dynasty league teams, uh, okay. super, super far away. So Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Y- young guy for sure. Uh, McKenzie a little bit closer. Is both of them for one of these guys too much? No, I don't think so. Okay, so yeah, maybe uh, maybe McKenzie for somebody who's a little bit on the cusp, and then Oviedo for the uh, for the long term piece. McKenzie's stock has dropped quite a bit. Yes, it so. has. That's why I thought he would be easy to include in this deal. And so uh, yeah, a couple pitching prospects out to Colorado, one of the second basemen uh, back to Cleveland. I hear you on the Hampson piece being maybe a better fit because then he could bounce between short and second depending on what else they were able to get. Um, but either way, that's what I like. Nick, what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I, I like it. I uh, I mean, Freeman had the 32-year-old rookie last There's year. There's no way that he you know, was there. I, I felt good for him that he was finally a free man of the uh, the minor leagues, <laughs> but he's just at 32. Uh, at the yeah. same time, yeah, he's not their everyday sh- uh, second baseman, so you have to figure that out somehow. Um, yeah, I think this does make a lot of stuff. sense. I will say if the Rockies didn't do something like this last year, are they going to do it now? I that I guess that's my only question about it. Um, you raise a good but, point. I mean, they, they are they sh- in fact stupid, so it is hard <laughs> to know exactly what they're going to well, do. Well, I mean, I went to you know I went to the uh, the uh, um, the Fan live uh, in New York City two weeks ago, and Eric mm-hmm. and uh, Kylie were talking about how the Rockies not necessarily the the, the forefront of their organization of and their their prospect development. So I so I wouldn't know if they're really looking to make that kind of trade. They're more I know like, more just looking on focusing on that. Um, but yeah, oh, well, it is a good fit with Cleveland. I think that that does make a lot of sense. It's funny. I'm just trying to free guys from there because I hit I had a trade hit the cutting room floor, which was John Gray uh, to Milwaukee or San Diego. I was trying to work up deals mm-hmm. uh, for one of those. Well, two that's teams. just all of those dreaming. But yeah. yeah, I know, I know. So <laughs> I, I landed on the second base deal, but. Everything I, all the machinations I was working involved getting rid of, getting Colorado, uh, extracting some of their good guys, uh, and and getting them elsewhere. Obviously, the pitchers would greatly benefit. I don't think the hitters would would flop though either. We've seen several of their quality hitters go out and be fine, definitely, yeah, not having cores to back them up. So, um, yeah, just get all their good players off their team because they don't know what the heck they're doing over there. Or at least so. just free playing time for either. Correct. Jerry. I mean. Give Garrett Hampson 500 plate appearances and well, let dude, him just run. Don't forget, Brendan Rodgers is still there, too. That's why I feel like they need to move one of these two well, this year. He, he's recovering he's from... hurt for yeah. a while, right? So I don't think but, he's going to be a big factor, in at least in the first half of the not year. Not the first half, but they still have Hampson on the bench right now. Oh, and That's, Tapia on the bench. and yeah. I mean, they're paying Ian Desmond to ride the bench. So they, they exactly. need, need to trade like three or four guys. You'd uh, think. So I definitely was looking at that. But uh, let's move over to our non-tenders quickly here because I know Nick has to get going soon. I will start with Nick. So what we're doing is we're picking a non-tender uh, that we like and putting them on a new team that we think would be a good fit for them. So go ahead and kick us off, Nick. So I love that 
Taiwan Walker was all of a sudden released. I mean, I feel bad for him. He came back from Tommy John and threw one inning. I remember being really excited. He was going to start this game. Like, okay, great. This is going to be cool. And then there was one inning and that's it. I'm like, oh, well, that was something. That was a tease. but I, but I'm excited about him. I think there is still a lot of upside left for Taiwan Walker, especially coming off of Tommy John. This is someone that was a little bit above a 20% strikeout rate and hinted at a possibility of going to 25% with that really, really nasty uh, splitter that he had. I, I don't know where he lands. I mean, I think the Blue Jays are going to be feasting on a lot of these guys. Um, and I don't want to mention the others on the risk that, you know, Justin or, or, or Spore, one of you guys mentions them. But uh, maybe it's the Tigers. Them. I don't know. Tigers. Spore, I don't know where I'm getting that from. Uh, Every team should be obviously interested. But like these rebuilding teams on a 27-year-old who's yeah. shown this kind of op- opportunity or disability. Yes. It's, it's kind of what if the not Rangers did last year. Like they, they brought in, they brought in Lynn. They essentially brought in Shelby Miller as well. They brought in. Edison Volquez they essentially brought in all the high upside players for whatever. Let's see what happens. Take a shot. It right. Might and not they were not right? land there. So exactly. Uh, exactly. I, I wonder what will happen here. I, I think the Blue Jays honestly are the biggest fit to get like four of these guys. I think I think you're right on that. Um, all right, Justin, who have you got? Where are you putting him? Oh, I there's so many guys on this list that are that I, I just love and I then I uh, I've had affinities for for a long time, uh, and so I'm gonna take one guy who I who I've who I've always loved in Jimmy Nelson, uh, and put him in his best possible landing spot, which is replacing the guy who was non-tendered in Houston, uh, uh, who was Aaron Sanchez. So okay. Jimmy Nelson goes to Houston, gets some of that Houston magic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kids stay healthy. I mean, this is a guy that. Uh, isn't that far removed from like a, a breakout season before diving back into uh, first base and, and, and wrecking his shoulder? So, uh, DH should be in the National League. Pitchers shouldn't hit. Love you, Nick. Continue, Justin. <laughs> so, is, is Nick a pro, DH, or a pro uh, oh, yes. pitchers hitting guy? He's a pro no, DH no pitchers for everybody. Hit. Yeah, one hundred percent DH both leagues. I, I'm yeah. I'm one hundred percent in favor of the same rules being played in both leagues. I I it doesn't matter to me which one. I just I can't I can't understand how you can have different uh, different rules for different for for yeah. each league. So, so you might as uh, well put the good the good rule for both then. So I think the chances of this happening are like zero to none. I think Nelson probably ends up in a place like Toronto, uh, and I th- so uh, but. And obviously, Aaron Sanchez being non-tendered opens up that fifth rotation spot in Houston, and one of these guys will likely uh, get over there, and whoever it is, that's the guy I want. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. That makes some sense. Nick, any thoughts on Nelson possibly to Houston? You know, I would like the idea to Toronto just because then him and Chase are together again. That's kind of funny to me. Oh, hey, uh, yeah, they're, they're back, back at it but, again. Uh, but essentially, I mean, remember 2018, we held on to Nelson, waiting for him to come back, and he never did. And then mm-hmm. even in 2019, we still waited, and then he came back, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, he's not throwing 94 anymore. He's throwing 92, 93. Uh, you did that, Mason? Great. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get out of here. An injured guy? Mm. What? My boy. Crazy. Yeah, Crazy. I, I was excited about Nelson as well, and obviously it didn't work out. Um, all right, so my guy, I'm going to go ahead and put – Travis Shaw on Washington. By the way, he'd actually be a decent fit for the the aforementioned hmm. Cleveland Indians. But I'm putting him in Washington. They've got work to do. Um, you know, there's still a good chance that they bring back uh, Anthony Rendon. I, I still think they're going to get back one of their guys. And if it's Rendon, fine. You put him at third base, and then uh, Travis Shaw can play first, and Carter Keboom can play second. If not, you can bring Travis Shaw on, let him play third, Carter Keboom at second get somebody else in for first a lot of moving parts there and since shock can play first second or third i think that he's a good fit for them plus they are a little bit righty heavy anyway so that he works from that angle i think everything sets up nicely that uh travis shaw because i don't you know 2019 was a lost year he was terrible I, I, unquestionably i am heartened by the fact that he was still great in the minors though and he was truly excellent he had a 42-game sample down there. He put up a 10-23 OPS. But then he came back to the majors again, and it, nothing worked in his 86 game at the majors. Fine. Lost year, 
regroup, bounce back. I think he's back to being a 30 home run hitter next year because I don't think that he's just done because we have that minor league sample to say, hey, he hasn't completely lost it. Put him on the Nats, and I think it's a good fit. Justin, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that is a good fit for him. It's uh, especially if they decide that Strasburg is the piece that they want to try to retain as opposed to Rendon. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that that happens. I think I think the Nats go after Rendon and uh, maybe try to go get some cheaper pitching pieces to fill in, considering the state of their amazing rotation already. Uh, but I don't think that's a bad fit. Uh, I also think Shaw could end up in a place like uh, Anaheim. Uh, yes, would be an interesting be a great spot fit there too. Because they, yeah, they they have kind of deficiencies at both second and third. So uh, Shaw is going to be one of those guys wherever he signs, as long as he's getting a shot at full time playing time, then I'll buy back in on. Fully, fully agree there, Nick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you make a great point that uh, the Nationals have Defoe and Nall. As their second base and first yeah, base Jake right now. Jake Knoll, Jake yeah, Knoll and Mike so, Freeman, starters for 2020. Yeah, that's not that's not going to last. Uh, so they're going to do something there, and Shaw does seem like a good fit for them. I like that play. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's going to go ahead and wrap us up, guys. Had a great time talking with both of you. Um, maybe we'll do it again in the winter. Yeah, then, that sounds fun. After, know, I think after sounds... this week, I should be much more available. So Yeah, uh, for those that don't know, Justin's writing a, a senior thesis. Ooh, I know ooh. Nick's working on 5.0, and, and obviously Pitcher List does not go dark at all during the uh, offseason, so a lot of work going on there. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think we should do another three-pack at some point soon. Uh, well, Firesides aren't going anywhere, but I like getting together with the three of us, so I appreciate yeah, both of you being on, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Take it easy.